0: Welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. In this episode, in the spirit of the recent observance of Valentine's Day, I speak to a relationship coach who is focused on a population not typically served by his industry. Have you ever seen the Netflix show Love on the Spectrum? it is a show that chronicles the ups and downs of the dating world of autistic adults. Dating and relationships are a complicated part of the human experience, but for some, emphasis on some and not all on the autism spectrum, things like social cues and other nonverbal forms of communication can make some types of connection quite challenging. Jeremy Hamburg, is a relationship coach who is focused on a particular niche that is not often explicitly marketed to, and that would be adults on the autism spectrum. He is the founder of My Best Social Life, a company with the mission to help autistic adults who are in, in need of improving the quality of their friendships and romantic relationships. He says that he is the world's first relationship coach devoted to this space. And he recently sat down with me to explain how he found his current profession, how his past career as an attorney helps him in his current work, and how he counsels his clients toward deeper connection with others. So with that in mind, let's get started.
1: Jeremy, thank you. Welcome. Welcome to the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So let's get into this. I mean, your labels have labels. Lawyer, litigator, relationship coach. If you can encapsulate what you do in a one-minute elevator pitch, how would you describe yourself?
2: You know, it's funny that you use the word elevator pitch because I moved from New York City to Southern California so that I could ease out of being a litigator and ease into being a a full-time coach. So I actually live in a place with no elevators. I literally can't remember the last elevator ride that I took. And uh, so I'll just say this, you know, I'm the first dating and friendship coach in America who focuses exclusively on training adults with autism, how to meet new people and make good friends and land exciting dates and turn them into a fulfilling relationship. And I do it with sensitivity and compassion. And I get great results from my clients because I spend every day perfecting the quickest and most direct route out of loneliness and into, a real social life and that's what my clients want and that's what my clients deserve and you know I don't think of that so much as an elevator pitch as I think of it as my mission statement it's what I think about when I wake up and it's what I think about when I go to bed and so you know that's sort of how I define myself now
1: the name of your company is my best social So you explained that you are a relationship coach, and this is beyond just a business, this is a mission. Explain to our audience, because to some people, social life may mean slightly different things to different people, but explain to our audience what my best social life is.
2: It's my baby. It's my heart-centered business. Through my best social life, I use a variety of different ways to help people on the autism spectrum live the social lives that they've always wanted, and I also help families too. You know, mostly parents, sometimes siblings. You know, so for example, um, you know, my website is mybestsociallife.com, and really the only thing that we offer there is a free training for singles on the spectrum. Called the five-step strategy that our clients with autism use to land exciting, land exciting dates and find love, and also a free training for parents. And I once had a guy from Orlando, Florida, who said it changed his perspective so much that you know he uh, kept on trying to pay me for it. But you know, it's 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 a labor of love that I that I do for this community. You know, my best social life hosts uh, a free online community on Facebook for singles. I just renamed it The Ultimate Autism Guide to Dating and Friendship. And it's a place where singles with autism can meet others or ask questions or, or you know just feel a sense of belonging because that's so important. And we're gonna be doing some free trainings in that group as well. My Best Social Life hosts a free online community for uh, parents too on Facebook. That one's called the The Autism Parents Guide to Social Success. And uh, what I found is that parents have loved meeting others who, you know, are on the same journey as them. And we're going to do some free trainings for the parents in that group, too. And, you know, I think maybe the most important thing is that, you know, My Best Social Life offers a no-cost strategy session for any autism family that has a son or daughter who wants to make friends or start dating or, or, or have a girlfriend or boyfriend. It's a family call. It's usually two parents and their son or daughter on the spectrum, and it's no cost. And we spend 90 minutes diving deep into what their child's dream social life is and what's keeping them from having it and what a step-by-step solution looks like. And most of the time, by the end of this session, everyone on the call is just crystal clear on what the problem is and what the solution is. And at the end of it, you know, some people want to work with me, which is great. And and some people don't. And I'm like, that's fine, too. You know, we we part ways as friends. But at the end of the day, that's what my best social life is. It's a way for me to show people with autism and their families the path out of loneliness and, and, and into you know the life that that people with autism really want.
1: How did all this come to be? Do you have a personal connection to the autism community?
2: You know, everyone asks me that. They they ask me, do you have a, a child with autism? Do you have a, a sibling with autism? And people are kind of shocked to hear that, that I don't. I have an autistic cousin, but, you know, he isn't the reason I made this my life's work. My best social life came into being because the autism community invited me in. They came to me and they embraced me and my approach back in... 2010, I was just a a regular dating coach helping, you know, neurotypicals find love. And I had this, you know, amazing arrangement with the JCC in Manhattan, the Jewish Community Center in Manhattan, where I'd give a workshop on the science of attraction to men on Mondays and to women on Tuesdays. And then on Thursdays, I would rent out the basement of a bar on 86th street called the parlor. And all the men and women from my workshop would meet one another and we would practice the technique that I taught them. Um, and well, you know, little did I know it, a lot of people who attended my workshop were autistic. Uh, and I later understood why. Uh, the, the JCC Manhattan had three special needs groups operating under its roof. So, you know, the first, the late Myrna Zinn of a group called MASH Connection invited me to give a workshop to her group. And then uh, a wonderful woman named Steffi Falls of a group called Boost invited me to give a workshop to, to her group, which were somewhat older um, adults. And then, you know, the one and only force of nature, Allison Kleinman of the Adaptations Program, invited me to give a workshop to her group. And I ended up leading their dating program for over, you know, something like three years. And, you know, truthfully, looking back on those first few years. The autism community definitely taught me more than I taught them. uh, And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that the autism community embraced me while I was learning about autism myself. But I think the marriage was made in heaven because on one side were people with autism who wanted to have friends and settle down with someone special, but they were struggling to connect with people and nobody really knew what to do about it. And on the other side was me, because when I see a problem, I say, you know, bring it on. The harder the problem, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So that was over a decade ago. That was back, you know, like like in 2010. And as I said, I spent every day since then perfecting my strategies that people with autism can live social lives that, that, you know, that they really want.
1: You mentioned perfecting your strategy What type of research did you do to become better acquainted with this community?
2: I dove into the community. I spent time with Match Connection and Boost, and especially with adaptations, um, because I think that reading from books is important, but you really don't get to learn what the community is like, or what people are like, or what they're struggling with, or what they want until you talk with them. And so I made it my mission to talk with as many of them as possible and interact, interact with as many people as possible so that I can learn from real people what they really want and what they're really struggling with. And you know, I, it's been an ongoing process. I learn more and more about people with autism, about the autism community every day because every day I'm spending time in my free online community for singles, my free online community for parents, I'm doing strategy sessions with families, and every day I learn more and more about what my client and what my community wants.
1: I was able to check out one of your initial trainings you have for autistic adults, and you mentioned in your training about how being a former trial lawyer aids you in the
2: work you do today.
1: Can you walk us through a specific example?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Anytime I tell someone I stop being, you know, a lawyer, a litigator, so that I can be an autism dating and friendship coach, their first reaction is like, whoa, like, that is so different. What a drastic career change. And, you know, from my perspective, it isn't. I remember when I was a young 24-year-old, you know, baby-faced prosecutor fresh out of law school. And one of the first things you do when you're a young prosecutor is you go through trial training. And, you know, what are the two most important skills that they teach you in trial training? Number one, project confidence. And number two, tell a good story. And, you know, well, guess what? Those happen to be the two most important skills for landing a date. Project confidence and tell a good story. So, when I was giving workshops at the JCC Manhattan about the science of attraction, the techniques I focused on were centered around projecting confidence and telling a good story, because that's what I knew. Um, and a decade plus later, I'm still teaching how to project confidence and tell a good story, except I'm not teaching it to young prosecutors or neurotypicals, you know, uh, but certainly not young prosecutors who want to persuade a jury. I'm teaching it to adults with autism who want to attract a partner. And I'm doing it in a way that's relevant to them and useful to them and and, and meaningful.
1: Now, that is taking one skill set and transferring it to any industry. When they tell you go to law school, it's flexible. (laughs) They may not have been thinking about this example, but this (laughs) is a great example.
2: I don't think anyone thought of this example.
1: (laughs) What is the percentage breakdown of your clientele by gender, roughly?
2: Over the years, it, it, it's been pretty consistent uh, in terms of my clients. I would say around like four men to every woman. And the sexual preferences of my clients are, are also on their own spectrum. We have, I have straight clients, I have gay clients, bisexuals. So on those levels, I would say that my clientele has really been a mirror of the autism community as a whole
1: what challenges do you face when you're trying to convince a potential client to put themselves
2: out there when it comes to dating so the thing is i don't try to convince people that they should try dating i've had plenty of parents over the years come to me and ask me to convince their child to be social or, you know, or to make friends or, or to dip their toe into the dating pool. I had one last week, as a matter of fact. Um, and as a parent myself, I can complete completely, you know, appreciate where that ask comes from. But what I found is that the desire to be social, to have a girlfriend, to have a boyfriend, that desire, you know, it comes from, it it comes from within. And when you think about it, Convincing someone to try is not going to work because learning a social strategy takes energy. It it, it takes practice. Uh, You know, building your confidence takes energy. And that energy really has to come from within. It has to come from, you know, this real internal desire to live a better life. And, you know, an incredible example, you know, anyone who has taken my training, has met Douglas. Douglas came to me when he was just shy of 40 years old. He'd never been on a date. He'd never had a kiss. Never even held hands with a woman in his life. But he came to me with this like really big goal of getting married. And I bring Douglas up because we've been chatting the last few days. He and I. Um, he and his you know and, and his fairly new wife just got back from their honeymoon, and he was sharing photos with me. And every time I talk with him, I think about the the razor thin margin between, you know, between success and failure. Douglas is a success because he had a dream life in his mind and he was genuinely committed to realizing, you know, that dream life. And he put in the effort to make it real. And now he's, you know, married to a, a wonderful young woman and I had the the really distinct honor of delivering a blessing um, to him and his bride under their, you know, marital canopy. But I didn't need to convince him, right? I didn't need to convince him to do it. That desire was within him. And that's why he came to me. And that desire powered him through. At the end of the day, I think that human connection is a basic human need. Most humans are born with that innate craving to connect with other people. And that goes for people with autism too. And sometimes that craving for connection just gets buried, you know, under the pain of years and sometimes decades of rejection. And I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. But as long as there's a kernel of that craving for human connection inside of someone, I believe that I can draw it out of them. You know, when people see that there's a, a direct route out of loneliness and into a vibrant social life, and they believe that there's a strategy that will work for them, too, and they see that, that light at the end of the tunnel, it allows them to reconnect to that, to that craving for attention and, and connection that I think is just so basic to humanity.
1: You mentioned the importance of visualizing that first step to your clients, whatever social social life related goal they have. So how do you go about helping your clients to visualize in the first place? With well, Douglas, it seems like he already had the goal in mind, but for those clients that know they want it, but maybe not sure how to go about getting to that first step, how do you go about helping them?
2: I start from a very basic premise. Um, and the premise is we can't achieve anything if we don't know what we want to achieve and that goes for everything in life right not just not just our social life do you want a social life great but like we start from the basic premise of you know what do you want it to be because the thing about humans is that we are pretty darn good at getting what we want when we have clarity on what that is you know so the question is ultimately you know how does my client how do you get clarity on what you want and the way that we do it is we actually work backwards we work backwards from what your ultimate goal is so let's say that i don't know let's say that you're a you're you're a guy who wants to have a girlfriend okay great so close your eyes and picture your girlfriend and do it in great detail. What does her hair look like? What do, you know, what do her, what color are her eyes? How tall is she? What is she wearing? Now that you have like a deep visual of what your girlfriend looks like, then I want you to create call it a, a specific scene in a movie of what your relationship looks like together. So, you know, where are the two of you in that scene? Are you apple picking? I don't know, it's fall. Are you pumpkin picking? Are you having lunch at the local diner? Are you on the couch together? And, and what are you doing together, right? Are you, are you walking together? Are you holding hands? Are you giggling about something silly? And, and I really like, I really encourage people to play that scene out in in, in incredible detail, you know, like your Ron Howard or, or Steven Spielberg or someone like that, because you want it, you want it to feel real. You want to be so deep into that scene that you can almost like smell your girlfriend's perfume. And, and it's super powerful to do that visualization because it gives you an immense amount of clarity on what you're striving for and what you really want your life to look like. And, you know, you can do the same thing with visualizing how you want her over. Set the stage. You know, did you meet her at the supermarket? Was it the department store? Was it the bakery? It, it's your movie, so it's your choice. Um, and you close your eyes and you visualize in depth the way that you walked up to her, and you visualize what you said to her, and what jokes you told, and the questions that you asked, and what she said back to you, and how you asked her out. And you and, and and you make that into into a, a movie in your head, and you and you play that movie in your head so often and so deeply that it actually like feels real to you. And the reason why is because research actually shows that deep visualization is the equivalent of actual practice. And, and that sounds kind of like nuts, but like visualizing something in your mind actually creates muscle memory, even though no actual muscles were used. And I just think that is so cool.
1: I didn't realize that level of specificity you advise in your clients. Mm hmm. So with Douglas, let's say his or clients like Douglas, you had this level of you advised on this level of deep visualization. So when now a real life encounter comes, what you're saying that because they practiced in their mind so often, it's given them a greater chance at success.
2: The best athletes in the world don't just practice on the basketball court or the baseball diamond or whatever. The very best athletes in the world, from Michael Jordan to Kobe to whoever, they practice in their mind because it creates muscle memory. The, the, the thing that we have found is that if you can visualize it, you can make it happen. And if you can't visualize it, it might be out of reach. But if you can visualize anything, if you can visualize yourself doing it, that means it's just a matter of practice to get there.
1: When you go to your website on this visualization theme, there's a two track training model there's one for autistic adults and then another track for their parents. Yeah. Is the goal of the parent training? Is visual, visualization also tied to them as well, or why? Why is there a two-track system?
2: It, it's interesting that, that you call it a two-track system, uh, and I say that because when when I think about what I do, I don't think about helping single separately and and helping parents separately. I think about helping okay. you know families as a whole, and I think about solving problems as a team. But here's something that you probably don't think about unless, you know, you have my job, which is to serve people. You know, I I don't get to serve anybody, any family, unless someone in that family finds me and thinks that I am the answer to their prayers. And so sometimes the person who finds me is a person with autism. Right. I've I've met many, many people on the autism spectrum who are incredible self advocates and they go out and they search for answers for their loneliness. And sometimes they find me, you know, whether it's my free training or my free Facebook, you know, Facebook group or my website or whatever, you know, but they find me and they like my approach and they schedule, you know, a strategy session and they bring in their parents. And we talk about the strategy for becoming, you know, a social success um, together. And sometimes the person who finds me is a mom or a dad. You know, because it would mean the world to them for their son or daughter to have great new friends, or go on exciting dates, or have a you know a girlfriend or a boyfriend. So moms and dads do an incredible amount of research to find answers to what is vexing their child, and they and they find me, and and they like my approach, not just for their sons or daughters, but but for themselves you know, including that visualization, including visualizing, you know, what that life is that they want for themselves and for their son or, or daughter. And the, and they schedule a strategy session and we sit down as a family, you know, to think and and plan. Uh, all jokes aside, would my career be easier if I just, you know, had to create content for people with autism and, you know, didn't create content for, for their parents too? <laughs> yeah, it would be, you know, my career would be much easier. I do I do twice the work so that you know both people with autism and their parents have resources that they can turn to but you know that's my calling I do twice the work and I do it from a place of love and I do it because I know that people with autism want a solution and they want to to feel included and and they want a a light at the end of the tunnel and their parents do too
1: you encourage your clients to list character traits that maybe society would view as quirks and figure out how to use them as an advantage in this dating space
2: tell us how you developed this strategy it was personal to me because i'm i'm a quirky guy and when I, when i was single i needed to find a strategy that worked for me or else i you know i was going to be the single one for for a heck of a long time you know I look back, I, I look back on when I was younger, and you know while my peers were going clubbing, I was on the debate team. I was a huge nerd. And why you know, while my peers were you know having house parties and and, and you know getting drunk, I was on the roof of my parents', you know house, talking philosophy, you know with a, with a couple of close buddies of mine. And, and when you know when other people were waking up from from their hangovers, I was reading the The New York Times, you know, on paper, you know, folded, you know, folded like a real New Yorker, the nerdy way. you know, i i I wasn't cool, and I was never going to be cool and I was never gonna to pretend to be cool. And so I had to decide whether I was gonna, you know, mope around and and be frustrated that I wasn't attracting women or whether I was gonna take my my nerdiness and make it into into a selling point for me, into an advantage. and obviously, You know, I committed to doing the latter because, you know, here's the here's the thing that I learned nerdiness is not good or bad. Right. It's it's what you make of it. And that goes for a whole lot of other character traits, too. They're not good or bad. They're what you make of it. So, you know, what I encourage people to do is is sit down and like figure out what what are your traits? Ask yourself that, what are your traits? Ask other people what your traits are, ask your parents, ask your siblings, get a list of your traits and your characteristics together and and, and just be honest with yourself and allow others to be honest with you. This isn't about praise or criticism. It's about understanding who you are and how others view you, how others perceive you. And then take that list, You know, pick a couple of those traits or characteristics or whatever and ask yourself, what can be good about it? What can be good about that trait? How can I make it into a positive? How can I turn it into an advantage? What I realized, as I said before, is that most characteristics aren't inherently good or inherently bad. Most personality traits just exist. Nerdiness just exists and it's what you do with it that counts. So, even so, so let's let you know, let's talk about something that's like really identified with the autism community. Okay. So, like the ability to look at a screen for 10 straight hours, right? The computer screen, the telephone screen. I've had parents tell me that their kids will look at a screen for like 18 hours a day, seven days a week. You know what? And I know parents are going to are going to are going to hate me for this, but that ability to look at the screen for 10 hours a day isn't inherently good or bad, believe it or not. okay, it's pretty bad when like that 10 straight hours of screen time, you know, is playing video games or like watching YouTube videos. But, you know, did you know, for example, that stores will pay you to watch a screen for 10 hours straight and identify patterns or look out for things that might be theft or fraud. Department stores, chain restaurants, heck, even casinos, it doesn't matter, right? There is value to them in in sitting behind a screen for 10 hours and looking out for things that are damaging their business. I, I personally can't watch a screen for 10 hours, but if you can, We can turn that into an advantage. We can turn that into a job. And almost any trait or tendency or characteristic can also be turned into an advantage kind of like that. It's
1: not just parents that would come after you. Some pediatricians would as well. But (laughs) I do get your point. I do get your point. I do get your point. Along those lines, actually, a characteristic assigned to someone within the autism community is that of scripting. And you advise autistic adults who script to turn scripting again into an advantage by scripting in such a way that they could ask and say something ahead of time, try and figure out scenarios ahead of time, what they can say so that they could spark a great conversation when that time presents itself. So have you... Ever had a client surprised by you advising them in this way?
2: They're, they're grateful for it. Full stop, full stop, you know, grateful. I've had strategy sessions with about a hundred families in the last, let's call it year or so. And and when we do a family session, uh, you know, or a strategy session, as I said before, like we dive really deep. Into exactly what's not working, so that we can get complete clarity on what the solution would be. So, you know, a hundred single people with autism on the phone with me in the last year or so, and you know, take a guess how many of them were, you know, struck by you know this fear or this anxiety of not knowing what to say, or or this fear or anxiety about saying something wrong. Like, out of 100, how many do you think, Lola?
1: 120.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 120, exactly. (laughs) Every single person with autism that I speak with has no plan for what to say to start a conversation, what to ask to keep the conversation going, you know, or how to turn a conversation into a friendship or something more and it, and then they can't visualize what it looks like to actually have a wonderful conversation and win someone over and that leads to another massive massive problem that i see on 120 out of 100 calls which is that people lack confidence in themselves and in their ability and you know what they're linked they're linked As I have my own coach, I believe in coaching. I have my own team of coaches that coach me. And what they tell me is, when you don't have a plan to succeed, you are planning to fail. When you don't have a plan for victory, you're planning to lose. What people want is a plan. They want to know what to say. They want to know what to ask. And they want to know that what they're doing is right. OK, and a big problem that people you know, come up against is that there's actually like too much information out there. There's too much. You can watch like a, a bajillion YouTube videos on dating and you'll get a bajillion different opinions about what to say and what to ask. And, and you can read, you know, 10 different books about about dating and again, have 10 different opinions about you know what to say and what to ask. And the question, like people come to me with, is like, which one's right, and, and which one is going to make me look silly. And not knowing, not knowing that is is, is a huge problem because it paralyzes you. If, if you don't know what what what's good, what's good advice, and what's bad advice, and you don't know how to take the good advice and stick it into a plan that you can use, you're paralyzed. It's why people stay stuck. So I make it easy for people. I work with them on exactly what to say and exactly what to ask and and exactly how to build that human connection. And it's not a surprise to them. It's what they know that they need and it's what they want to do. Because at the end of the day, they want to be able to close their eyes and visualize what it's like to win someone over and then go out there and do it.
1: In your training, you allude to online dating sites, perhaps not being the best venues for autistic adults. Is that safe to say? Why do you think that?
2: Lola, there's literally not enough time in my day or in your podcast to count all the different ways why online dating sucks for people with autism. Sucks, by the way, is the, is the, is the technical term for it. I
1: can tell. I can tell.
2: I actually, but I mean that literally. I actually, I actually had to break it down into a three-part video series in my online uh, uh, parents uh, community on Facebook about why online dating just generally does not work for people with autism. And and, and here's what it comes down to: online dating is a huge tease, right? You go back, I don't know, ten years, fifteen years. I I don't even know at this point when online dating started. And it and it held this like beautiful prospect of giving a single adult with autism access to to millions of other single people without having to go to a bar, without having to go to a club, without having to physically walk up to someone, without having to worry about eye contact and body language and all that stuff. It really created this, this like hope in the autism community of circumventing all the social challenges that make dating so hard for people on the spectrum. And what what they found is it didn't. And not only that, you know, online dating is actually harder for people with autism. And there are a couple of reasons for that. There is a thick, thick layer of unwritten rules that go along with succeeding at online dating, at online dating. And if you manage to figure out those unwritten rules and you do land a date, you know, good for you. But guess what? You still need to have that in-person date. You still need those in-person social skills to make the date go well and turn it into a second date. And so in reality, online dating actually doubled the number of unwritten rules and doubled the number of social skills that people with autism needed to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And think about this for a second. When you are on a site with a hundred thousand people, with a million people, whatever, you need to make a good a good impression, right? You need to stand out, and that requires a lot of things to go right. You need to pick the right cover photo. You need to pick the right secondary photos. You need to write an attractive profile. You need to message people who are actually going to write you back, and you need to message them in a way that works. Right, And that's before you even get a single response. And that's before you turn that, that response into a real world meeting. And that's before you turn that real world meeting into a relationship. So what you wanna know how to how to land a date and how to have a girlfriend, it's simple. Know who you wanna meet, go to the places where the right people gather, know what to say to them to create a connection and then nurture that connection into a relationship. Anything other than that is a circuitous path. And it's more work than necessary. And online dating is like twice as much work as is necessary.
1: Based on your length of time in the field, what are some of the biggest misconceptions people have that you've personally observed of autistic adults in the area
2: of dating? Far and away, Lola, number one answer that people with autism aren't capable of dating and loving and relating or that they don't want to far and away bar none i I think that there is still a huge misconception that people with autism are like are like robots you know they have no affect they have no emotions they have no ability to connect and and it's it's a real problem okay that that lack of understanding And that misperception of autism in the neurotypical world is a real problem. And it's and it's why the news is like, you know, a buzz when a a celebrity like like Amy Schumer, for example, marries a guy with autism. People read that and like, you know, their mind explodes like, whoa, how is she making that work? You know, and the fact of the matter is we cannot rely on Other people, we cannot rely on on the neurotypical world to educate themselves about autism, okay? It would be nice if they did, but we can't rely on that. So the answer to the problem lies inside the person with autism. To have the right strategy to meet people, to put in the effort, to present the best version of themselves, and, and to be resilient. To be resilient, to work on it until they have the life they want, because misconceptions about autism will always, always be there. And the plan cannot be to wait for those misconceptions to evaporate.
1: In an ideal world, the neurotypicals would spend more time educating themselves. So it's a huge burden to put on any marginalized group for them to be (laughs) the only teachers of how things ideally should be but for that is is one day at a time really and truly
2: but but Uh, you know here's the thing like i i consider myself a very open-minded person i consider myself to be very educated and i didn't know about autism mm
1: -hmm.
2: and what i knew about autism was from a cousin who you know who just is not representative necessarily of the autism community and certainly not representative of my clients. How so? What?
1: You said he's not representative. He
2: lives lives in a group home. He's going to, he's going to have help from now until the day he dies. He's, you know, he's a beautiful, beautiful soul. And, And so he's not the people that I work with. And, and, and that was my understanding of autism for the longest time. And and the truth is, Lola, if the autism community hadn't invited me in, I wouldn't know very much about what the spectrum of autism looks like. I have the blessing of having been invited in and I've had the blessing of people with autism teaching me what it's like and, and what the community is all about. But I've been doing this for over a decade and I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And so it would be and, and you know what? I've been having conversations with my mom just the last couple of days, including yesterday. My mom just started watching uh Love on the Spectrum on Netflix. She's watch, she's watching it, and she's like, Oh my god, Jeremy, like you have been a dating coach for autistic people for like over a decade. And I didn't understand why you do what you do. I didn't understand why you specialize in why this is so needed. I get it now. This is my mom. I've been doing this for a decade. And I love the fact that she's getting the education now. And I love the fact that like millions of people are watching, you know, Autism on the Spectrum and, and other shows like that and getting this um, education. But there's still, you know, 8 billion people in the world who, who don't have this education. And it's not for lack of for lack of desire it's just not on their radar and so you know i I always bring it back to this if we want to live the life that we're meant to live we have to create it ourselves and it shouldn't be that way but it is so we can't wait for the good people of the world to become educated we have to go out there and bring our light to them we have to go out there and bring our goodness to them. We have to go out there and educate them. And if we want them to be receptive, we have to do it in a way that is meaningful to them. And that's where the visualization comes in. That's where the knowing what to say and what to ask comes in. And the benefit is we get the life that we want. And I talk about that a lot, too, Lola. Socializing isn't about isn't just about you, right? It's not just me, 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 me and what I want. Socializing is about bringing goodness to a world that right now is scary as hell. People are lonely, people are isolated, they feel marginalized, they're scared, right? And the answer to that is human connection. And so when you create the strategy to build genuine human connection and you go out there and you actually do it, it's actually a form of social justice. And I mean that. If you don't build the strategy and go out there into the world and, and, and give your light and give your goodness, you're holding something in to yourself and you're not giving it as a gift to others. It is literally social justice to visualize your success and, and go out there and do it because you will actually help other people who are waiting for you and need your light, but they can't have it because you're sitting at home, because you're afraid of rejection, because you don't know what to say. I get really passionate about that. Socializing is social justice, but it, it is. It is. You don't know who's depressed. You don't know who's one day away from taking their own life. You just don't know. You don't know if you're saving a life by going out there and having a real conversation with another human being.
1: You mentioned, despite doing this for a decade, that your mom, now that she actually saw it on the screen, saw these same scenarios that perhaps you had explained to her before, but actually her seeing it depicted real life depictions through love on the spectrum i wanted to get your take especially based on what you just said what is your view on love on the spectrum when you first saw it i'm assuming you've seen it uh
2: i haven't started season two yet but yes i saw season one of course what was what was my was my thought this is why i do what i do this is why i do what i do i was glad that millions of people get to see the desire that people with autism have to make connections, to meet new people, to make friends, to have love. I was, I was really glad that the world got to see it. And I was really glad that the world also got to see how much of a struggle it is for them. You know, it's just as a neurotypical, you know, I've been on great dates. I've been on terrible dates. I think, you know, most people in the neurotypical world have been on Terrible dates in their life. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 (laughs) But But you brush them off.
2: You brush them off and you and you just and you go on another one and you go on another one and you go on another one until you have a good one. It's much, much harder for people on the spectrum to do that. And love on the spectrum really drove that home. There's a desire, but there's a gap between what they want and what they're able to achieve. And so how do we bridge that gap between the desire and the goal? And it all comes back to 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 exactly like what I teach in in, in my in my free training, right? There are five steps to get there. And, and including visualization, including know what to ask and know what to say. And, and and that's how we bridge the gap. Right? We we know in our minds what we want and then we work backwards for how to get there. But like you know, it's a it's a beautiful show, and uh, I've heard nothing but love come out of that show. People come come out of watching this show, and their mind is blown. And they come to me and they say, "Jeremy, like now I get why you do what you do, but I love to be in alignment with how I think the world should be. I love that I can wake up every day and do a job that that nudges the world in the right direction." So.
1: Of- all the things we've discussed today is there a part of your work that's the most rewarding or is that like choosing amongst children
2: (laughs) no it's not like choosing amongst children you know i see my clients succeed in ways that they have always wanted but have never thought possible and you know the way it changes their life the way it changes their parents life their their siblings lives that that that's that's everything to me you know it's what inspired me you know to leave my lawyer job and 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 work in the autism community instead and we've talked about douglas a whole bunch of a time you know a whole bunch of times and you know not only did douglas and i celebrate his first kiss his first relationship his first everything You know, as as I said, like I was there to recite a blessing to him and his bride at his wedding under their marital canopy. And I literally looked out like at this at this social hall, at this like wedding venue, whatever you want to call it. And there are, you know, there are a couple hundred guests there. And I thought like, why am I doing anything in my life besides this? So now I'm not doing anything in my life besides this, right I'm dedicated from the minute I wake up to the to the minute I go to bed go to bed helping autistic people live the social lives that they want and escape loneliness and experience this like joy because you know it's it's moments like that and and I want more moments like that. I had a, a moment a few months ago when I was on the phone with a, a client and his family um you know just because I you know for because I don't you know like to divulge. People's names, you know, I'll call I'll call him Jay, okay. And 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 we were talking about the fact that not only you know did he ace his job interview while he was in the program with me, and he and he landed a job, but you know the a few days before I was on the phone with him and his family, like they were having that uh, like job orientation, and he actually volunteered to lead a group activity at his job orientation and his mom cried like i could hear it through the phone his mom <laughs> cried like that that is everything you know i hold people's hand out of like this prison that they're in like this like uh, uh, a young lady i was talking to a couple of days ago said like i feel like i'm behind bars it's a prison of loneliness and i hold i hold people's hand and i guide them into a life that is you know vibrant and and, and joyous And and that's life changing for them. And when I change their life, that is like, that's everything to me, right? That that is, you know, you asked what's the most rewarding part, like having a life where I change the course of families. Um,
1: Jeremy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. How can people reach you who want to learn more about what you do?
2: I think the easiest way is my website, MyBestSocialLife.com. One word. There is a bit about who I am. There is the free training for young adults on the five steps to to landing dates and friends and, and the girlfriend or boyfriend. There's a free training for parents on how to help their autistic son or daughter apply those five steps to their own life. And... And I have the two free Facebook communities where, where people can come and also get some free training and feel a sense of community. So for young adults, it's called The Ultimate Guide to Dating and Friendship. So you go onto Facebook, you go to like the groups page and you do a search for The Ultimate Guide to Dating and Friendship. And for parents, it's the, it's the autism parent's guide to creating a social life or something like that the name is, is something like that and uh, again like it's a community of parents who are on the same journey and we're going to do some free trainings and and that's how you connect with me and then you know once you're in the group you can reach out to me on facebook you can you can message me you can friend me you know or you know the real big step that that really makes a difference is you know sign your family up for for a strategy call. It's it's usually the son or daughter on the spectrum and, you know, and two parents or or one parent and his or her spouse or, or significant other. And, and we'll get on the phone for 90 minutes and it's no cost. And, and, and we'll get real clarity on, on on what you want and what's keeping you from having it and what the strategy is. So for people who just want to dive directly into let's you know, let's do this thing. Let's figure out what's wrong and, and how to solve it. It's mybestsociallife.com slash uh, apply. Mybestsociallife.com my slash apply. And you just pick a time that works for you and your family. And I I will call you on time because I'm extremely punctual. That's the German side of me. And we'll talk for 90 minutes. And at the end of it, I'll tell you what resources I think can help you and maybe that's me maybe it's someone else and you can you know you can decide if you want to work with me if you do great if you don't great but you know it's my gift to every autism family
0: thank you for listening if you like what you hear please share and subscribe if you're interested in the genesis of this podcast particularly the reason why this podcast came to be check out season one in its entirety I've also decided to share parts of our story in a written form through a column titled The Caregiver's Chronicles. If you're interested, you could check it out at psychcentral.com. That's psychcentral, all one word, dot com, a division of Healthline Media. You can also follow us on social media at, at notyourmamasautism on Instagram and Not Your Mama's Autism on Facebook. See you soon.
2: Not Your Mama's Autism podcast is hosted and written by my mom, Lila Dada Ollie, and it's also co-written and produced
1: by me, Fela Ollie.
2: My dad, little sister Alero, and I are all occasional contributors. My dad, Tosin Ollie also helps produce sometimes. Big thanks to my aunt, Olane williams Ali, who did our graphic design. See you guys soon.